Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job. You can find out more by visiting Johnson's Air Conditioning. Com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have some uh, terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll visit with Boo Mortensen. She's up in Madison, Wisconsin. We'll find out what's new with Boo. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. And we'll visit with Linda, my wife Linda. Uh, she writes greetings from Paradise. It is June the 15th, and on this day in 1215, following a revolt by the English nobility against his rule, King John put his royal seal on the Magna Carta, or Great Charter, the document essentially a peace treaty between John and his barons, guaranteed that the king would respect feudal rights and privileges, uphold the freedom of the church, and maintain the nation's laws. Although more than a reactionary than a progressive document in its day, Magna Carta was seen as a cornerstone in the development of democratic England and by later generations. In fact, it affected uh, our law as well. John was enthroned as King of England following the death of his brother, Richard, King Richard the Lionhearted. In 1199, King John's reign was characterized by failure. He lost the Duchy of Normandy to the French king and taxed the English nobility heavily to pay for his foreign misadventures. He quarreled with the Pope Innocent III and sold church offices to build up the depleted royal coffers. Following the defeat of a campaign to regain Normandy in 1214, Stephen Langton, the Archbishop of Canterbury, called for the disgruntled barons to demand a charter of liberties from the king. In 1215, the barons rose up in a rebellion against the king's abuse of feudal law and custom. John, faced with a superior force, had no choice but to give in to their demands. Earlier kings of England had granted concessions to the feudal barons, but these charters were vaguely worded and issued voluntarily. The document drawn up for John in June 1215, however, forced the king to make specific guarantees of the rights and privileges of his barons and the freedom of the church. On June 15, 1215, John met with the barons at Runnymede on the Thames and set his seal to the article of the barons, which after minor revision was formally issued as Magna Carta. The charter consisted of a preamble and 63 clauses dealt mainly with feudal concerns that had little impact outside the 13th century England. However, the document was remarkable and it implied there were laws of the king was bound to observe, thus precluding any future claim to absolutism by the English monarch. Uh, of greatest interest to later generations was Clause 39, which stated that no free man should be arrested or imprisoned or dispossessed of his outlaw or outlawed or exiled, uh, or in any uh, way victimized unless by the lawful judgment of his peers or by the law of the land. This clause had been celebrated as the early guarantee of a trial by jury and of habeas corpus and inspired England's Petition of Right, 1628, and the Habeas Corpus Act of 1679. In immediate terms, Magna Carta was a failure. Civil war broke out the same year, and John ignored his obligations under the Charter. Upon his death in 1216, however, Magna Carta was reissued with some changes by his son, King Henry III, and then reissued again in 1217. That year, the rebellious barons were defeated by the king's forces. In 1225, Henry III voluntarily issued the Magna Carta a third time, and it formally entered English statute law. Magna Carta has been subject to a great deal of historical exaggeration. It did not establish parliament as some have claimed, nor more than vaguely allude to the liberal democratic ideals of later centuries. However, as a symbol of the sovereignty of the rule of law, it was of fundamental importance to the constitutional development of England. Four original copies of the Magna Carta of 1215 exist today, one in Lincoln Cathedral, one in Salisbury Cathedral, and two in the British Museum. The beginning of uh, the diminishment of the absolute power of the king. <clears throat> Well, the economy is recovering, albeit at a slow pace under Biden, and the stock market is at record highs, but traditional economic metrics are obfuscating just how concentrated the recovery has been to the nation's largest firms. For the most part, 
Big companies have bad, had balance sheets strong enough to help them weather the pandemic storm, especially in the early months when lockdowns were strongest and most states had stay-at-home orders. Small businesses weren't so fortunate, and many of these formerly employed by them became re-employed by larger competitors. According to Unbiased America, the number of small businesses, now this is appalling, the number of small businesses in America has declined by nearly 40% since the lockdowns began last year, including more than half of the leisure and hospitality industry. 40% small businesses reduced, and they are, of course, the hope of employment going forward. And things are actually starting to get worse again. A separate poll shows that another 35% of small businesses say they are at risk of closing permanently by the end of the summer due to inflationary pressures, rising gas prices, and increasing labor shortages. Other issues included the following. 55% of polled say they have trouble finding employees, up to 5% from last month. Only 22% of small business owners say they expect to make as much or more than they did last summer. A troubling revelation considering that 40-50% to of small businesses were not fully open last summer. Restaurant owners and retailers who were polling better a few weeks ago are now back among the industries that are very concerned about the prospects this summer, saying they're struggling with inflation and massive labor shortages. 39% of restaurant owners and 40% of small retailers say they worry about making it to the end of the summer. The greatest challenge to the economic recovery right now is the national labor shortage. And of course, we know why that is. Because people are making more, just not going to work. The government isn't sending people to stay at home and not work. I think it's a mistake on their part. Certainly a mistake on uh, this Biden administration's part as well. Reporters waited nearly three hours for President Joe Biden before he appeared late to his press conference in Brussels yesterday. Thank you all very much. Sorry you're here so late, Biden said as he left the podium after only answering questions from five reporters selected by the staff. The entire press conference lasted about 25 minutes. The press conference was scheduled for 1.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but Biden didn't arrive until 3.30. White House aides never explained why Biden was lit delayed and did not update reporters on his movements or timing of the press conference. He appeared fatigued when he arrived, but said he had a productive day of meetings with world leaders at the NATO summit. About 100 reporters were present at the large conference room for the press conference, but Biden did not call on anyone that did not have, wasn't on his pre-approved list. When asked by CNN's Jeff Zeleny to react to Russian President Vladimir uh, laughing at him for saying Putin was a killer, Biden replied, I'm laughing too. Hmm. By the way, uh, well... Uh, Biden, apparently, he, he stopped for 10 seconds and waited to reply to this question about calling uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin a killer. And then he laughed, kind of a phony laugh. I think he had an earpiece. I, thought, I think somebody was directing him on the way to respond to these five questions that were asked. Just my thought. President Joe Biden criticized his, uh, supporters of former President Trump as a significant minority of Americans during a press conference in Europe on Monday. The president spoke about Trump and his supporters during a press conference after a day of NATO summit meetings with world leaders. He said, I think it's appropriate to say that the Republican Party is vastly diminished in numbers. The leadership of the Republican Party is fractured, and the Trump wing of the party is, in bulk of the, is the bulk of the party, but it makes up a significant minority of the American people. Biden was asked if reporters how America's allies could trust his assertion that America was back after Trump's presidency. Well, I'm saying. It to them is, watch me, Biden replied, after he was uh, trusting that world leaders believe that I meant what I said and, and what I say, and they believe when I, I'll keep my commitments when I say it. That's delusional. <laughs> He's, he, well, that, what is delusional is the fact that he says that uh, the, the Republican Party is diminishing and it's getting smaller. If anything, his actions are leading to an expanse of the party, and I'm speaking specifically of Hispanics on the, Tex Hispanics on the uh, Texas border. And uh, in Arizona. In any event, uh, Biden added that he was disappointed in his Republican colleagues for refusing to vote in support of an investigation on Capitol Hill riots, uh, yada, yada, yada. So, Joe Biden. You know, this is a story that I'm not going to have time to cover. Maybe Linda and I can talk about it later. But a woman who fled North Korea when she was a teenager is now attending Columbia University said she is seeing a lot of similarities between the totalitarian regime she grew up in 
and the education she's now receiving in the United States. I'm not kidding. She really said that. She was uh, sold for $300 uh, uh, and her mother for $100, and they fled North Korea to China over the fro frozen Yanglu River in 2007. She was just 13 at the time. In any event, uh, to make, she's a very uh, smart woman and a very courageous woman, but she basically saying, you know what, what uh, America and uh, College University and Columbia University, it sounds like the education I received in North Korea. I'm not kidding. She really said that. You know, things are happening slowly, and they're kind of moving slowly. Maybe we just were kind of the boiled frog thing. We're just not recognizing what's really going on and what's happening to us. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on the board. I think this may be Kathleen. Kathleen, is that you? Yeah, my ringer was off. I didn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so Kathleen, you're on air right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry. No, no. You know, I had turned my ringer off for uh, a meeting last night and forgot to put it back on. So no, I've missed a lot of calls. No worries, <laughs> but I'm just so grateful that you're available this morning. So thanks so much for joining us. I was just mentioning the show's brought to our listeners by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I hope you check out the website, thefga.org. Uh, Kathleen, I just really appreciate you taking time to be with us today. And uh, so much news going on, and uh, of course our governor's in the news a lot, but I think the uh, appellate court that made the decision recently about masking was so interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing how, uh, how uh, everything has changed over the last year. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm really thrilled with what... Uh, what's happening. I'm thrilled with what the governor has been doing. You know, I think we're right on the right track and, 
you know, the state of Florida has come roaring back, and you know, you can't you can't deny it. No matter how you feel, look at look at how our economy is doing. Yeah. So everything everything seems to be right on track. I agree, and uh, I, I was just reporting to our, our listeners that. Uh, about forty percent of the businesses, uh, small businesses, closed during the pandemic. I would suspect that number is not as high in Florida because we stayed open, kept the economy open. Our, we certainly we had uh, you know we encouraged people to be safe and then make their own decisions. But uh, you know we didn't have the uh, onerous requirements to find, uh, for example, Wisconsin and Michigan and so forth. So uh, we're we're moving along. We're moving right along. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, you know, and I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the summer and, you know, doing uh, people's business and, and then getting back to committees in September. It's going to be here before you know it. Absolutely. So uh, I don't know if I've asked you this or not, but I just wanted to, what is your general sense of uh, the, the uh, last legislative session? Were you pleased with the outcome? Yeah, you know, and I, I've been to a number of legislative wrap-ups the last couple of weeks, and, uh, you know, I usually start out by saying, and I believe this sincerely, that, you know, I've been in the legislature for 11 years, and I believe that last session was the most productive um, and um, of, of, of every one of them, wow. and particularly in light of the fact that we started out uh, thinking we would be $6 billion in the hole, and uh, with our... You know, numbers, our, our economic numbers getting better and better each month. We not only were not in the hole, but we were able to put $6 billion into reserves, which, you know, God forbid, we may need this summer based upon the projections of, of a robust hurricane season. So um, I think we, you know, our session was really, really pretty remarkable. And, you know, we passed a lot of really good bills. Um, some of which nobody really talks about, like revamping the child welfare system, which was much needed. And, you know, we did, I mean, we, we were able to get a lot of good projects in the budget, and I'm, I'm very pleased. Oh, that's good to hear. Uh, I, out of curiosity, do we know yet how much money we received from the federal government for stimulus? Um, there's, we've had several tranches of dollars. Off the top of my head, I can't recall the amounts. Um, but I will. One thing I do want to stress is that yes, we received stimulus dollars. It would have been foolish not to accept it because right. um, others would. Right. Um, and but what we did with those funds, we didn't backfill our budget like some other states did. In other words, some states were shoring up pension and other um, or other general revenue type expenses, and. Uh, what they were doing was taking the stimulus dollars and using it for um, the right, you know, for what the required purposes. But then they didn't, what they did with them with their general revenue was be able to fund the things that they hadn't been able to. What we did was we were funding with the stimulus dollars some infrastructure type projects that we wouldn't otherwise be able to get to this quickly. Uh, and we, you know, we also focused on resiliency and some of the water projects, um, Laco, um, you know, projects and the like. Yeah. Uh, that we, you know, we would have had to have stretched out over a number of years. So, you know, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. And these are, um, whatever we spent the stimulus dollars for, they were for things that really had nationwide significance, like the Everglades. Absolutely. So uh, uh, a lot of folks, of course, are concerned about the cost of uh, living and so forth. We're seeing inflation now. Uh, I know that you addressed the uh, public insurance issue uh, and, and uh, raised the cap on the amount that, uh, uh, of premiums that could be raised. I got a note from my uh, agent, my uh, homeowner's uh, agent, that said, uh, you know, it looks like prices are going to start going up again. Can you comment at all on what's happening in Florida? Yeah, it, this is a real challenge, uh, and we, had, we did address it this, this uh, session. Here's the problem. Um, due to uh, the state of Florida, and we've talked about this before, is number one or two in the amount of lawsuits that are filed, yep. many of them frivolous. Um, we have had over the last several years, actually since Hurricane Irma and Michael, uh, hundreds and thousands of roof claims filed. And, and, and everybody knows that 
Many of those claims were bogus claims. Yeah. We had contractors incentivize roofers incentivizing people to file insurance claims for roofs that did not need to be replaced. And then they would um, get with attorneys who would file lawsuits, and what would happen is the insurance companies just, the cost of, of maintaining a lawsuit is more than a new roof. Right. So they were just paying new roofs. I heard from constituents who were saying their whole street got new roofs because yeah. the contractor went from house to house to house. The problem with that is, yeah, the insurance companies ended up paying them, but you know who pays for it? Yeah, we, we do. do because exactly. they the the rates for insurance are based upon claims, and there we have it. So anyway, the the bill we passed and the governor just signed it last week, I believe, uh, that would rein in some of those practices, also the attorney fees issue because we would hear about a claim for two thousand dollars or something where the attorney gets twenty thousand. Man, that's ridiculous. So, really? You can tell I get a little hot about it. <laughs> so that's why our rates are going up. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a crime. So uh, you feel like you made some progress then, perhaps, in uh, uh, getting yeah, rid of some of these? Yeah, just like the assignment of benefits. It'll take time to win its way through, and then those trial lawyers are going to find something else to to create a cottage industry on. They, they were starting to do it on COVID, but we passed a COVID liability bill that precluded them from doing that. So, yeah, and it's unfortunate. It's only about five or six law firms in the state, but they generate a lot of business. They do indeed. Uh, final question before I let you go. Um, uh, and this is kind of a personal question in a way, but we uh, have signed up for a cruise. And basically, uh, the cruise has said, well, CDC guidelines say that we uh, should, uh, we can ask you to, if you're vaccinated, you have to have a vaccine passport, let's call it. But right. th- that that seems to fly in the face of what the governor has basically said. Yes. And uh, so do they have a foot to stand on? And uh, In other words, uh, they can't enforce that, can they? Well, the, the problem we have, and the governor I know is, is working on it, is that if the, the ship goes into international waters or, um, you know, is not just uh, Florida-based, uh-huh. then... The governor has no control ah. over that. I think he's trying to work it through. I know where he's going with it. Um, you know, he, like like you, believes in personal responsibility. Uh, but if if the uh, federal government overrides us, there's not much he can do, although just work it out with them. Yeah. I guess the, the, the uh, governor sued the CDC, and he says things right. are going well. So uh, perhaps that right. might be uh, the root cause in, in, in dealing with the real issue. Exactly. I think they're. I think they're probably. Hopefully, they're going to settle this thing because there is such pent up demand for cruises. It's amazing. Hey, looking forward to ours. I hope we can go, Kathleen Bassett, <laughs> our state senator. I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining Thank us. Thank you. My pleasure. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, uh, Boo Mortensen. We're going to find out what's new with Boo up in Madison, Wisconsin. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. 
Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social, a new refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more by visiting choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen up in the tundra in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure to uh, to be on the show. Thank you. And I think, you know, there's... <clears throat> It seems like the country is still processing what we've gone through. Work is different. Clearly, living is different. And I came across, there's a whole new trend, and it's called built-to-rent subdivisions. So right now, for instance, in Arizona, they built a subdivision of 222 homes. Mm -hmm. They've got the picket fence. They've got the backyards. They've got the basement, the garage. You've got all of that, but they are all rentals, hmm. and they are managed like apartment buildings. That's so interesting. And apparently, this is the new thing. Kids do not want 30-year mortgages. They don't want to plant the oak trees and think that they're going to be there forever. They're much more transitory. I find this fascinating. Well, I certainly do as well because you, most people think of that their home is their, you know, kind of base investment in life, and then hopeful that it, they'll see the increase in value, be able to move up, and so forth. So, uh, the younger people apparently have a different idea about all that. Now, I, I guess it's you have the sense of freedom that you don't have the responsibility of upkeep. I guess that's up to the landlord. But on the other hand, uh, first of all, you're kind of a, a uh, giving up your right or opportunity for uh, increased value. <laughs> what are your thoughts on all that? You know, I don't, I don't know. I think it's an entirely different mindset. I'm from the generation where you bought the home and you planted an oak tree, you know, that, w- that took 30 years to grow. Sure. Um, you know, where you put down, you know, roots, so to speak, and your kids grew up with, the same kids that they went to kindergarten with. So I, so this whole thing about moving, you're here for two years, you move, I assume that that means that people are going to be moving through their jobs yeah. much more rapidly as well. Yeah. That is so you take interesting. a job, you stay a couple of years, and then you move on. So uh, this is the first I've heard about it. Are there other communities like this around the United States? And, and uh, do we know anything about... Cost comparisons? Or is, it, is this a good deal for young people? Or Well, this one development that was in Arizona uh, where they have the 220, um, 222 homes, it, there's one or two bedrooms, and rents start at 1400 Well, that doesn't sound... Pretty, uh, very affordable. Yeah, it sounds affordable. Of course, uh, it all depends on the area. It, it, that would be fantastic in New York City. <laughs> you know? But uh, right. So, but you know that is well. So- now it's a very small portion of the housing market. It's only six percent, but they figure that it's going to morph into a forty billion dollar industry. Um, you know, within the next years, I mean, it's it's exploding. Yeah, I, I wonder. What the management companies may not be the same as the builder. In other words, the builder may build out the community and, and then get a management co- I'm not, you know, I just have so many questions about all this. Well, or maybe they bundle it all, too. I, I don't know if they're all, or do they rent out a, a management company? Yeah. To, uh, uh, I don't know. Clearly, banks are supporting this. 
you know, the uh, private investment firms have gotten into it. So it's, I think it's a trend that probably is going to be here to stay. And then I was reading later on, a couple of days later, about this new phenomenon in the office called hot desks. Hot desks. So remember, you'd go to your office, you'd have photos of your family on the desk, you'd have some, you know, little knickknacks like a baseball or something that was meaningful for you, you know, kind of to, to create your personal space. Yeah. No more. Because people are coming in at different times, it's not nine to five now, and rather than build these huge offices, you go in and you reserve the desk for the day that you're going in or the hours. So you get you make a desk reservation and it's a clean desk, there's not a thing on it. You bring your desktop, your papers, you work at it for the time that you reserved. And then you leave, and someone else sits down at your desk hours later. How that about is, that? That is so interesting. Well, that's kind of the backdrop here is that uh, many people have been working from home anyway, and many people, as I'm reading, uh, don't want to return to to the office. They want to, you know, maybe go in for a couple of days a week or something like that. But the, apparently, the opinion of workers is less tied to, or and uh, uh, tied to the uh, to the office, and more tied to the job. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Yes, it's total flexible work arrangements. So I don't. You know, so here you're living in a in a in a house where you're renting and you're going to move around, and then so it it plays out that of course you're going to have a hot desk because you're only going to come into the office two to three days a week. Yeah, that is so interesting. Well, it also raises the question about uh, employment. Uh, uh, there's gig employment. In other words, you know, you're kind of a jobber. You're getting paid by the day or by the hour, and uh, you're not necessarily getting benefits. So we're seeing an increase in that kind of work as well. So it could be that, uh, you know, people hold themselves out with a shingle to be uh, whatever it might be, an office worker, and uh, just be paid by the hour. I guess so. So how does that build office camaraderie, uh, job loyalty? Is all that a thing in the past? You know that's a great question. I think uh, I think things have morphed since uh, I, I was f- deeply involved in the employment situation. So I think things have changed. The workplace has changed considerably. I know the profession I was in uh, in the finance business has changed dramatically because of the accessibility to information on a laptop, for example. You know, you yeah. need tons of files and that kind of thing. It's and that's that's true for our workers today. Instead of having a file cabinet full of folders, you could keep everything on your on your uh, laptop. Oh yeah, yeah. Even the the term file cabinet. Yeah, it, that's probably archaic. The only weird place you really see a file cabinet now is in a dental office. Yeah, you know, Boo, you raised such interesting questions today. This is stuff I didn't know anything about. But yeah, I'm going back now to these developments of uh, for renters. You know, a builder might build out at a uh, a, a development, and then put it up for yeah. sale after he, after he's done. Sell it as an investment. Of course, the the implications for the rents going up are pretty severe. But nevertheless, it's this is all interesting stuff to think about. Isn't it fascinating? The future is is uh, COVID changed the future in maybe ways that we can't even begin to imagine. It's so true. And uh, here's the other thing. Everything is not necessarily bad coming from COVID. I mean, there's some good things that are coming out of this as well. So, uh, like, for example, not being tethered to a desk. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Oh, yeah. But, you know, then there's no more, you know, you'd stand around the water cooler and, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm using that euphemistically, but, sure. you know, you you build team loyalty. Yep. Um. I don't know how you do that if people are, are coming in and, and going in and out of jobs. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Is it, maybe it's overrated. I don't know. Who knows? I don't think so. We're still social animals. Yes. And we need the face-to-face and the, the human interaction. 
I think Zoom, you know, a year of Zoom proved that. Yeah, absolutely. Boo Mortensen, I never know what's going to be on your mind, but this has been such a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your commentary on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, my pleasure. All right, have a good week, Boo. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best, building a new performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with my lovely wife, Linda. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist through society, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and we're waiting. <laughs> yeah, but you know what's kind of interesting? Uh, you wrote this column, uh, Trump's top ten were, uh, we were right list, big tech is awful at identifying fake news. I'm really grateful you wrote this column because it really, it just speaks volumes about the, uh, about the honesty of the press. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, and not just the press, this is big tech, too. Um, you know... Uh, even forget how long it's been since some of these stories. Let's just remember that things go viral very, very quickly these yep. days. Yep. And if Big Tech drops its boot on a story, there's no way it could go viral because by the time they review it, quote unquote, and decide, oh, we were wrong to, to stop this, it's too late. Yep. The, the moment has passed and we've gone on to the next moment. So that's that's a key component here. Now, Trump came out. He was speaking, I think, to Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy. Um, uh, his his he had an event in uh, somewhere in north northern uh, United States, Wisconsin. And, uh, I think it was. Where was it? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Okay. And um, Trump showed up via video streaming, and he referenced a list of ten items. During his administration, and by the way, none of the ten were Trump-Russia collusion, which is the biggest political scandal in U.S. history. Right. And what he, what he listed was ten things where he said, or our side said, X, big tech and big media declared, them, declared X to be fake news and silenced it and squelched it. 
And later we came to find out, oh, we were right, Trump was right, and big tech was either wrong or lying about what was news because it was detrimental to the left, and therefore they silenced something that was actually true in the name of stopping fake news. Right. And so the ten he listed, well, one was hydrochloroquine. Remember, Trump came out in March or April of 2020 and said hydrochloroquine's great, and now we know because Africa's been taking hydrochloroquine for decades to stop um, malaria. Yeah. And they didn't have a COVID problem. Right. Uh, so we, and that's not the only reason we know, but, we, but hydrochloroquine is now accepted as a, not just a treatment, but a prophylactic against COVID, and that was silenced and squelched, and there were doctors that appeared on, t- on different video streaming, and, and, and recently, like in the last month or so, right. um, Governor DeSantis in Florida appeared with a bunch of doctors, and said, and the doctors said, you know, hydrochloroquine is a perfectly effective, and, and YouTube pulled the video, and that was just a couple months ago. Um, you know, when we, when we came out and said, remember Tucker Carlson had the, 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 the Chinese um, lab, lab doctor right. who said it, it almost certainly came from a Chinese lab. And that was squelched and silenced, and people were banned for posting it, and, and news articles and videos were removed from the Internet in the name of fake news. Well, looks pretty good now, doesn't it? It certainly does. Uh, um, the, when Hunter Biden's laptop came out, we had a we had a bunch of deep state security national security figures say this looks like Russia disinformation. Yeah. Well, it wasn't Russia disinformation. It was Hunter Biden's laptop. Right. Um, so that's another one. Um, then you've got um, oh the, the the Lafayette Square photo op. Right. Well, Lafayette Square is the the park next to the White House. The story came out that and you know this works both ways. This isn't just True stories that are squelched, this is fake stories that are advanced to hurt Trump or hurt the right and, and advance leftist causes. Lafayette Square was cleared out, and the, and the media reported that Trump did it to, to allow him to walk to a photo op. Right. Well, that's not what happened. They cleared it out days before for, for, to, build a, to build a security fence yeah. or a security wall. So that was a lie. Uh, that was that was that was fake news. That was treated as real news. Um, the Russian bounty story in Afghanistan was a total lie, and was reported to make Trump look bad because he didn't respond to a Russian attempt to place bounties on American soldiers. That was a lie. Yeah. Um, you know, Trump said the virus vaccines would be ready in less than a year. Everybody said he was lying and crazy, and it would take three to five years and. Lo and behold, it happened in nine months, multiple vaccines in less than a year, just as he said. Um, and again, they, they, they used that to dismiss him. Um, the, the blue state, red state juxtaposition on lockdowns during the virus. Yep. Red states locked down little or not at all. The blue states went insane and locked down everything. The media reported, the, reported that that was the way to go, major lockdowns and and, and attacked DeSantis. Remember the 60 Minutes report on oh, DeSantis? Yep. It was totally bull. Right. Um, and now even he's been proven to be right. Yep. Um, Florida has more old people than just about any state, and they had one of the lowest death totals. Absolutely. Um, which, by the way, is, uh, you know, I've, <laughs> I've had to become something of an Im- uh, amateur uh, virologist, and everything we did... Everything the blue states did is antithetical to everything we know about viruses. Right. But anyway, it goes on and on. Trump and Republicans said schools should be open because almost no children get the virus and they don't transmit it. But we shut down schools for over a year yeah. uh, for, for no discernible scientific reason. Um, the, oh, the whole southern border yeah. and how Trump had... Had inhumane practices. Well, what's more inhumane? Having tens of thousands of children stuck on, on military bases or in southern Texas and, and, and New Mexico and Arizona, like Biden has, uh, versus making them stay home where they're safe and not traveling thousands of miles to get here. And then, of course, we're the, the, the latest thing is we're finally, finally starting to audit 
the, uh, elect- the, the, the voting right. in 2020. Right. Remember, they, the media kept saying, no court has ruled that, that there was illegal voting. Well, none of the court cases looked at the voting. Exactly right. Exactly All right. the cases were thrown out on standing, not right. because of whether or not the voting was corrupt or not. So now that that's starting to happen, will I... You want to bet money that we'll see that there was some corrupt voting going on? I, I, think I, it, I wouldn't bet against that. I wouldn't either. So anyway, this is what big tech did. Those are ten stories yeah. in, in Trump's, during Trump's four years where they literally censored the truth and promulgated lies. Yeah. And that's a bit of a problem. Because just think of the thousands of people who died for example, for not having access to hydrochloroquine for a year plus. Isn't that sick? Seat Miley. Um, and then, of course, the trillions of dollars in economic destruction for the shutdown that didn't need to happen. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable the damn. And, of course, the election outcomes warped because all of these, all these deaths and all this trillions of dollars of wealth destruction was to make sure Trump didn't win an election. That's exactly right. Seat Miley, again, the founder and president of the U.S. government, I'm going to encourage you to visit Red State, uh, and you can find Seaton's column, uh, Trump's Top Ten We Were Right list. Uh, you can also find it on uh, what, the uh, lessgovernment.org as well as on Facebook, Less Government as well. Seaton, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. That's right, she's my wife, and uh, she writes Greetings from Paradise. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide two and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Linda Harden. She's my wife. She also is the author of a terrific periodic uh, the newsletter that she puts out periodically, I should say. It's called Greetings from Paradise. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. And a news junkie. And a news and junkie. News junkie. Good morning. Good morning to you. So uh, I wasn't able to complete this story here for our listeners about the uh, woman who fled North Korea with her mom and uh, ended up uh, being free, ended up in Columbia University. And the conclusions and what she's reporting is just really shocking. I know you're more familiar with the story than I am. Maybe you could tell us about well, it. Well, you know, I, when I got up early, early this morning, I turned on Fox at 6, and they were um, talking about this this North Korean gal who had been on the earlier show, was, which is Fox and Friends First. And um, it, it, 
I, I haven't read the entire article yet, but the interview with the gal was shocking. Yeah. I mean, the fact that, that um, her mother was sold for $100, she was sold for $300. I mean, with the help of Christian missionaries, long story short, they got out of um, North Korea, but now she's she's a beautiful girl, by the way, and she's written a book, and I can't remember the name of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you've, you've got access to it, but um, she ended up in Columbia University and says that uh, the situation over here is worse than it is in North Korea, um, as far as uh, suppression and, and uh, woke culture and all this stuff. It's, it's, it was really a wake-up call. It really is. I mean, she's, of course, Columbia University is an extremely uh, woke university, so there's no question about that. But I think it's pretty representative of what's going on. But I think we should be paying attention, because when she's drawing a parallel between how She's saying that the, the situation is in, in the United States is in some ways worse than the situation in North Korea. That is incomprehensible to me. Well, you, you know what's, what's good about uh, people like that and, and other people um, being able to expose what they've gone through on, on the media now, which is so rare, um, is is the curtain is being pulled back on everything that's that's happening these days. And you know what the message to me is, is that we have, what it was, was it Reagan? I forget, is um, freedom is only one generation of, of being, I think you know the phrase. Well, uh, we're one generation away from... Uh, you know what I'm talking yes, about, Yes, I though. do. It's, it's the education, basically saying because of the educational system, we're one generation away from losing our freedom. Yeah, and, and, and uh, I think her testimony here of what's going on is, is proof of that because she has no axe to grind with regard to the United States. She's grateful to be here, but she was shocked. Uh, her, her expectations were in some ways dashed because she was expecting to, see, to experience all this freedom. What she's seeing is suppression of free speech, uh, you know, just a number of things that are very concerning to her that indicate we're heading in the same direction as North Korea. Well, and it's and it's... I can't remember. I've been watching so much and reading so much about this, but but really, the the, um, the deep state and the globalists or whatever are trying to destroy this country from the inside out. Yeah. And between between the defund the police and and um, the Chinese Communist Party getting infiltrating the American universities to try and control this country um, and and make it a socialist country is really scary. And the and People, thankfully, are being exposed to it now and saying, nope, yeah, nope, yeah. we're not doing that. Yeah, we're seeing, we're finding out that Confucius Institutes are being established across the United States, and uh, Governor DeSantis has said, not in, not in Florida, we're getting rid of all of them, so, uh, and apparently they have them established here in, in uh, Florida, but these are organizations that are all about propagating Chinese propaganda and, uh, you know, putting a positive spin on what's happening in uh, in China, yeah, it's so interesting. And then, uh, you know, I have to make a leap to um, to Joe Biden in Europe because his little press conference that he was two and a half hours late to and allowed five questions from pre-chosen uh, media people is that he's all part of that. Absolutely. I mean, he's he's all part of that. Absolutely, and, and he's all uh, part of trying to create the scenarios. No, 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 you have nothing to worry about. We've got it all under control, and and he's. He was spouting things that weren't true, like the the Republican Party is is um, diminished, diminished, yeah, and and the the leadership is fractured. Well, he, he did admit that the Donald Trump group is the leader of the Republican so Party. So let, which let is me amazing. ask you a point of question. We haven't talked about this, but uh, he was giving a uh, he was answering a question. The question was about the meeting with Putin. And uh, he stopped for about 10 seconds. He didn't say anything. And then he comes out with this phony laugh. Ha, 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 ha. And then he, ma- he makes his comments. To me, it looked to me like somebody was like speaking in an earpiece or something like that and, and trying to coach him on what to say about this. And, and I think it started off as, okay, first laugh and then say this. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I told you about what this, this gal that I watch on television, or that I following telegram said what is this little piece of equipment that he's got and he he picked up out of his little pamphlet um uh what looked like a a, um remote control and and he put it on top of his his book and she says what is that nobody was able to Uh, respond probably some sort of a trans 
but but transmission also, device. Also, he's got this book open with not only the reporters' names and the he's got pre pre planned questions. Yeah, and the fact that he paused for that long and oh by the way the question was well you and it was from CNN oh by the way um, that said well you called Putin a murderer last weekend do you still stand by that and he looked dumbstruck. Yeah. A, a killer. <laughs> so, in any event, uh, old Joe. But he's got now. Now they're now he's got handlers. So he's got handlers helping him around and whatever. It's really an embarrassment to the United States to have him over there. I think so, and uh, you know, it is so embarrassing actually to see see how he's uh, handling this entire situation. Everything is now kumbaya. They're glad to have me back. Glad Trump's gone. You know. Speaking of embarrassing. Let's talk about Kamala Harris for just a second. Cackle. Oh. <laughs> I mean, she is a joke, and she can't, she just keeps stepping in it nonstop. And she was their, their little Obama's little chosen person to be vice president. I mean, Obama had her on the fast track um, for the presidency, and she, she failed miserably. So now they've got her vice president, and she is a train wreck you know, every time she opens her mouth. Quite frankly, I, I mean, I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that she's a Democrat. I just generally don't like her. She's just a, not a very likable person. She's not. She's not. And, she, and with a cackle nonstop. And, and even Lester Holt from N NBC um, and, and um, what's the, the Spanish language television? Um, yeah, I know what you Univision, mean. Univision. Yeah. And, and that, that uh, reporter who was interviewing her had... She wasn't laughing, no. and yet Kamala Harris is, with every question, ha, 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 I'm not finished yet, or ha, 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 I haven't been to Europe yet either. Yeah. Of course, we don't have a border crisis with Europe, so <laughs> maybe that might be the, you know, and I think Lester Holt says, look, let me give you 15 seconds to see if you can figure this out without my responding. Oh, I know, it's, it's, but, but she's, she's an embarrassment. Um, Tony Blinken, <clears throat> excuse me, Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, is being, um, is not much better. I mean, he's he's just being thrown under the bus constantly because he's he's in a world that he's is clueless about, and it's yeah. being shown all the time. So this administration is um, not doing well as an understatement. So uh, not uh, with the little time we have left. Uh, you don't give me enough time. I know. Well, I'm sorry. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> so so what's kind of interesting to me is to see how these uh, audits. And now there's 13 different uh, states that have visited Arizona. Arizona just reached uh, the milestone where they went through all the regular ballots, and now they're going through the ones that are Braille and military and so forth. They're getting close to the end. The, the audit should be done by, I guess, the end of June. The point being is that it uh, looks like uh, the Biden administration, Department of Justice, everybody is somewhat hysterical because they're concerned about what the results are going to be. Well, and we haven't even talked about Mike Lindell and what he's going to do in July about bringing all of the information and 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 uh, um, well, information and machines and everything about what he's found out about the election, November third election, and said and says, bring your cyber experts. You can look at this. He's gonna he's gonna rent an auditorium. Bring everybody you want, ma media. I don't care. CNN, anybody, um, bring it and, and, and see if I'm not right about this. And let me just say this before we close. CNN, I'm jumping all around here, but I, but I don't care if this is important. CNN is so desperate that they brought back Jeffrey Tubin, who did unspeakable things on camera in a Zoom meeting, yeah. for which he was fired from the New Yorker magazine. But CNN... I hired him back. Hired him back. You know, uh, Tubin is his last name, but it's now become a verb. <laughs> <laughs> He's Tubin. <laughs> but, oh uh, my goodness! It's I, it. There's too much. There is too much news and not enough time. That's let, all I have to say. Yeah, Linda, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary on the show. Thanks so much for joining You're us. You're welcome. All right. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I had fun. I hope you did too. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll continue our conversation about gun control and the Second Amendment. Andrew Joppa, Professor Andrew Joppa and author of Josephus of Oz, will be with us. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in Space Architecture and <laughs> author of many, many books. Great, wonderful mind. That We'll look forward to our conversation with Larry as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobhardin.com.